Constructed Futures. I'm Hugh Seaton. Today I'm here with Greg Gleischer, founder and, and managing partner at Good Developments Group. Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Let's start with what Good Developments Group is. We are a real estate development company, meaning we take projects from inception or concept from the point where it's just an idea and then bring it through and quarterback it through to a construction building that's actually operating with tenants and residents and everything in between. You know, one of the things that I've never gotten to ask somebody who does what you do, and so now I'm going to ask it, when you say develop, that means something, right? I mean, it's not just we've got some real estate, we generally know what we want to do. There's a lot that goes into figuring out how you're going to use that space. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. From the development standpoint, we always think it's very important to understand the context of the area and the location that a project is being developed into and understanding the strengths of the area and what can actually fit best within a site and within the context of the surrounding community. From a development standpoint, that front, you know, it's we we tend to focus on projects that are a little bit off the beaten path or somewhat atypical in the sense that they're not just the traditional uses and try and leverage some other sort of strength or um, value creation opportunities that we have been able to see and find through you know, different different connections that we think add value. I love that. Is some of your approach that you're willing to accept risk that other folks might not, or do you really rely on superior knowledge of the place where you're developing or some combination of those? I don't know if it's necessarily superior knowledge, but the willingness to really take the time and dig into into an area and site and figure out an option for that site to develop it into something that people may, might have passed over previously because it's maybe not as as typical and is either maybe seems a little bit more risky or takes an odd set of connections that you don't necessarily typically see within the development space because it can tie to, to other industries and, and aspects of the area. That's interesting. So maybe it's not superior knowledge, but you're spending the time to get to know more than just the space, but but the network that it's in the middle of the sort of yeah, and, ecosystem. And, um, spending the, the the time up front to figure out the the strengths of the site and to come up with a concept for for the site that really can play into the existing strengths of an area and even seeing aspects of, of a site that some people might have seen as hindrances in the past and trying to figure out a way to turn those into into strengths, which can really unlock a lot of value. If you have something that typically is in the way, you figure out a way to kind of flip that and turn it into a strength. The obstacle is the way, as they say, right? In a sense, in yeah. a sense, yes. So the project that is most prominently displayed on your website that you guys, I think, are, are spending a lot of your time on right now is Gateway South. You want to talk about that a little bit? Because it seems like it illustrates some of the points you were just making. Yeah, Absolutely. I think it ties very much into what I was just getting into. We're doing an 100-acre innovation district in St. Louis, Missouri, along the Mississippi River just south of the Arch Grounds and about a block and a half away from Bush Stadium. And we're turning it into, you know, like I said, a, a construction design innovation district. That means a geographic hub for the construction design industry, where there'll be manufacturing operations 
going on. So a handful of different companies that operate within the construction design space. We focus on prefab construction and then also innovation, education, and R&D space that um, can pair really well with um, the corporate tenants and partners that will be operating out of the district. And in, in the same vein as speaking about before, we're um, trying to find a, something that maybe has been a hindrance in the past. This site has a ton of logistics and distribution connections, um, which to us was a strength based on the concept for the project, but in the past had been I've seen as a hindrance because the site is littered with rail, rail spurs and rail lines and wrapped by interstates. And again, right, right along the Mississippi River, which has great benefits, but also logistical difficulties from a construction standpoint. And we're able to find a use that turn those previous hindrances into strengths. It must look seriously cool. I mean, obviously a little bit of cleanup is needed. But having mm-hmm. that kind of history to as a resource, it must be really cool looking. Greg, what got you here? I mean, I, I have to ask about your own personal background because it, it, obviously you've been in the development space for a while. What, what led you to making the decision to found this sort of a company and, and this sort of a project? Yeah, so in terms of my background, I, I grew up in, in New York and I went to college at Washington University in St. Louis, which is you know, my initial connection to to the area. After after WashU, I went and worked at a real estate development company in New York called JDS Development Group. And we JDS had done a lot of uh, high-rise iconic skyscrapers in, in New York and Miami and had always been very interested in the construction and design space. But at JDS had done a lot of innovative construction practices and protocols and implemented of new ways to, to build. And one of the things we've been looking at during my time there was prefab construction and modular and offsite construction and saw this site right at the center of the country and realized it could really be a great kind of hub at the heart of the U.S. to have a location to build from, not just for, for St. Louis, but also for and utilizing those logistics and distribution connections for other cities around the Midwest and even throughout the, the rest of the U.S. from from St. Louis. I love that. And and is the fact that you're in the manufacturing heartland also part of the appeal that you know some of what you're doing is, whether it's prefab or some more factory-driven things, that you know, you're surrounded by people that know how to build that way? Yeah, absolutely. It's also you know the history of the site in St. Louis being a location where... Um, we got over the Mississippi River via the Eads Bridge and built out a lot of the country and shipped it out, out west. Additionally, St. Louis has, a, as you mentioned, a great advanced manufacturing and manufacturing background. There's also a really strong base of construction expertise in the area. Four of the top 50 contractors in the U.S. have roots in, in St. Louis. There's a really strong group of universities in the area that have a ton of expertise in teaching and the educational side of the industry. So we really unlocking, in, in a sense, the already existing expertise and asset base in this industry in the area. 
Yeah, very cool. One of the things you talk about doing, and it brings together the two pieces we just talked about, is is changing how the supply chain works. Now, Mm -hmm. understanding this is a work in progress, what's your vision for that? So the the overall vision, or you know, if everything goes totally according to to plan, even greater would be to have a really kind of co-located supply chain within this geographic area where you can utilize the river rail to bring in raw materials and then take those raw materials through the process of going from you know, a raw material to a completed component, whether that's a full volumetric module that is effectively you know, a Lego block that can turn into a building by being stacked on, on site once it's shipped out to its final location or completed parts and pieces like a curtain wall panel or mechanical or electrical equipment and being able to get those raw materials in via the um, existing infrastructure from a sustainability standpoint. It's really, really a, a new paradigm. And then take the materials through that entire manufacturing process and ship it out in the same way to its final location compared to how currently the industry functions where parts or pieces take a ton of different touches around the, the country and in the world from raw material to final location can really unlock a ton of efficiency. That's really interesting. And in terms of partners that are helping you with this, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the, the companies or other sorts of partners that are helping you make this real? Yeah. So one thing we've done, a, I think, a very good job of is really being very open to the local St. Louis community. And because the site currently is completely vacant, since it, you know there's no residents, there's even though it's at the front front door, if you will, of the city, it's um, an area where there's really no activity at all. We were able to um, be be really open and transparent about our plan and draw in the community early, whether that's electrical contractors or some of the large general contractors that are in the area or universities, St. Louis Development Corporation, and by being really open and wanting those groups to participate in the concept early on, we got a ton of buy-in and it really feels like the area feels a real sense of ownership in a sense of the project, which has helped propel us to, to date so far. Yeah, that's great. And are some of the local universities, you mentioned them earlier, is, are you finding that both from an intellectual capital as well as a probably real capital, but how are they involved? So there are a number of different ways that the local universities are getting involved from doing classes specifically about the project to hosting competitions to having students intern for us or other companies working on the project. And then over time also once our site's really up and running, having actual physical physical space. And it, we'll see a big research and development component playing a role here, as well as connecting in with the technical schools and creating training opportunities for the local workers, um, the local individuals lo- looking for jobs to get connected to companies coming into the district and then even continue that education on to either upskill or learn about the other aspects of the industry because of the co-located nature of the programming within the site. Yeah, that makes sense. And it really is, 
I don't want to say vertical integration, but a really interesting integration across various. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love that you, before you talked about really understanding the network or ecosystem where you were choosing yeah. to build and, and invest. From from our we're what's nice in a sense for us, or what's allowed us to create a lot of these connections is, you know, we're not operating a manufacturing company or operating a prefab offsite builder or, and we're not a educational institution. We're effectively creating a platform that can help connect these different players. And because we're in a, in, in that sense, an outside party, if you will, we can help all these groups benefit each other, which also benefits us because helps create the vibrancy of the project and the site and continue to improve that. So this is a, the potential for a real win-win opportunity. No, that makes a lot of sense. And what are you starting with? Like physically, what sort of building is the, is the starting point? Because it sounds like there's going to be a fair amount that gets put up, but often there's the first place you start. What is that? Yeah, so the first phase of the project is about 1.3 million square feet. There's about 700,000 square feet of historic rehab. So existing buildings that are on site that we're going to rehab and turn into from, from the historic rehab side, innovation space, education space, research and development space, and prototyping labs. And then in addition to that historic rehab space, we're going to be building out some build-to-suit facilities for companies that will be manufacturing out of the, the area. So that, that first phase is really the, the real catalyst that will be about 1.3 million square feet total and a combo of historic rehab and built-to-suit industrial. That must be fantastic. And, and what is the timeline for that first part? So the first phase of the project will start to come online towards the middle of the end of 2025. Also, the nice part about the, the type of programming that we picked up front is we picked this up that was you know quicker to build. Mm -hmm. Built to suit industrial facilities are, um, and it's it's not a thirty story tower, so the the time frame is not nearly as long. And then the historic rehab are buildings that are already existing. So by doing that, we were able to kind of really try and get a jump start on on the project and get the momentum going quickly. Yeah, I got to imagine that that blend of modern build a suit, as you say, facilities, plus the, the appeal of being in historic loft-like, and I'm sure there's a bunch of different ways that rooms will look, but people love working in places like that. I mean, I got to imagine that's a huge appeal, right? Is that especially now when people can work from home, giving people a place where, you know, they actually want to come has got to be a huge appeal. Is that something you hear people talking about? Yeah, definitely. Taking the historic nature of, of the area and integrating that into the design and Combining the old and the new is really what we've seen in the past has made projects not only aesthetically pleasing, but vibrant and something that people like to be around. You pay homage to the, the old while also integrating the new and that adaptive reuse can be really valuable. And then for the new builds, figuring out smart ways to integrate the design aesthetics of the existing area and the old structures into the new builds and really create a strong design. I'll bet. And what sorts of companies, it's a little early, I guess, but maybe not. 
what sorts of companies are you talking to that might want to join you there? That's a million, you know, million plus square feet. It's a lot of room for a, a lot of small and not so small companies. What, who, what, what kind of people are you talking to? So a handful of different offsite builders, the two, two large manufacturing operations within the first phase, a handful of different buyers to those offsite builders. Think electrical contractors, drywall contractors, mechanical contractors that again are mainly manufacturing operations from from that standpoint, but not mm -hmm. the full kind of completed volumetric module that you might think or the parts and pieces. Then a lot of education, innovation, R and D space. So groups that are from large institutions that have a special classroom space to some nonprofits that are doing prototyping labs and pairing up with some of these corporate partners to actually do the testing and research and development within the, the industry. So it's really a cohesive set of programs and companies, which I'm really excited about. And it's just beginning, right? I mean, it, as things become more and more concrete, you're going to be able to, when I say that, you're closer to being able to open your doors. I'm assuming that companies that are smaller that maybe can't think out at quite such a long horizon suddenly start to start knocking on your door. So that that's pretty cool. Yeah. How do you think what you're doing has an impact on the future of let's, whether it's construction or, or, or real estate, but you know, you're doing things in a different way and you're looking at, at what you're doing in a, a you know, more comprehensive way than some. How do you think this, this has an impact or could have an impact on how developers and, and even contractors think about what they do? So one of our main goals is to help figure out ways to drive down the, the cost of construction. Currently, it costs too much to build a lot of the other buildings that we are going to need over time. And I think by creating this collaborative hub and pushing offsite construction, but also the collaboration and breaking down of silos between the different players in the industry, we can help create a lot of efficiency gains. And affordable housing, for example, is a big topic on everybody's mind. And without being able to reduce actual cost to build residential units, it's an extremely difficult problem to solve. But if you can start to figure out new ways to build and more efficient and cheaper ways to build, then building affordable units starts to become a lot more manageable and possible. Yeah, I really like that. And I wonder if the fact that that patterns of work are changing and there's a lot of folks that are thinking, what do we do with these buildings? Now, some of them you can't do anything with because of the way they're laid out, but a lot of them, there's a real push to, to turn into something else. Are you, are you thinking that some of, the, some of your approach and some of the lessons learned might also be applied to urban settings where there's just going to be a lot of real estate that needs to get repurposed? From, from an approach standpoint, I think that what's interesting or somewhat different about the way we've approached the project is, again, this kind of openness and notion that integrating the community into the project early on can help benefit the community that the project's going to be built within, which can also in turn help benefit the, the project. The more people and groups you have you know, on your side applying for you, the better and, easy, and easier it is to get a project like this off the ground and, and quickly. And I think believe that that notion concept can be something that is built out in other areas and 
in cities as well, where the new economic activity and development can bolster the people that already live in the area where the projects are happening and not push them out. Well, Greg, this has been really cool. I, I love what you guys are doing. And, and the approach, I think, is one that lots of people can look at and learn from, especially when they're thinking about use of older spaces or you know community involvement. There's a lot of facets of what you're doing. If people want to learn more about what you're doing, what's the right way to do that? So you can go on, on the website or, or LinkedIn or feel free to email us at info at good-development.com. Also, you know, down in St. Louis, come out and uh, see us over, over here. Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Greg, thank Absolutely. you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me.